0: Welcome to Calvary Temple Church Podcast. Thank you for listening today. If you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, please consider doing so. You'll find reference scripture and discussion questions for this sermon in the episode description. We hope this encourages you in your spiritual growth. We've been in a series for some time on following Jesus, a life like none other. Isn't that awesome? Awesome. We've been looking a lot in the Gospel of Mark. We've looked a few other places, but primarily there. But I want to share today about Jesus' plan for reaching the world. You know, this is an understatement, I know, but clearly our world's in a mess. Everywhere you go, everyone you talk to, every nation, every area, our world's in a mess. And I don't, make, I don't want to make light of this, but there are countless numbers of people that are living without hope. They don't know where to turn for help. And I'm so thankful today, even as Ruth was sharing and others, there's life and hope in Jesus. Amen? God has the answer. The Bible, which is God's Word, proclaims that Jesus Christ alone is the only answer for every person, for you, for me, our families, our communities, our nations. Jesus Christ is the answer. But the question is, how can we really reach the world for Christ? And I know that there are many people who wonder or honestly even question that that's possible We hear people say, well, we're too little, we're too weak, there's nothing we can do, the need's too big, you know, but people, we have a God who loves this world. Matthew 28, that Pastor Ruth was just sharing, Jesus commanded his followers to go and make disciples of all nations. Notice he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That speaks of the salvation that we experience and encounter in Jesus Christ. Teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. Jesus puts together evangelism and discipleship. They go hand in hand. They can't be separated. Sadly, many people today... And understandable for some reasons, believers, non-believers alike, we've ended up with a negative perception of what evangelism is all about. And I won't go into all the reasons, but even in the church that there are there are people who've got this concept, of evangelism as being special meetings or maybe an occasional time when we share the gospel or some think, well, it's just about going out and kind of cold turkey on the streets and meeting strangers and giving them the message of the gospel or some people think it's just simply inviting somebody to come to church. It may describe may surprise us to discover that Jesus had a totally Different approach to evangelism and discipleship. Robert Coleman has written an extraordinary book. It's become a classic. I would encourage you to get it and read it. It's called The Master Plan of Evangelism. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful book. And Billy Graham was noting about Robert Coleman. He said that he went back to the Bible and he asked one critical question. What was Christ's strategy for evangelism? Well, the heart of the gospel is this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 2 Corinthians 5.19. Now think about that. God was in Jesus reconciling the world to himself. It's an amazing statement. You see, the way that Jesus lived and taught showed us the Father. The way Jesus lived and taught models, and Robert Coleman identifies eight principles that are the basis for reaching the world. What can we discover about sharing Jesus and discipling others from some of these principles? And I'm only going to highlight some of them today as we get into this, but you know, we, we've been looking at this series about following Jesus, a life like none other. And we've been looking at the disciples that Jesus called and how he poured his lives into them so that they'd be able to disciple others. Remember Mark 1, 14 to 20, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. I, just, I love that, the good news of God. He said, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. If that was true 2,000 years ago, when Jesus started proclaiming this, how much more now? As Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, remember he saw Simon, we know him as Peter, and his brother Andrew, they were casting a net into the lake because they were fishermen. Notice what Jesus said. Come, come. Follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. And at once they left their nets and followed him. And we find the same thing with James and John. They left their nets and they followed Jesus. We often talk about following Jesus in terms of what we should do, of what God wants of our lives, of how we're to respond, and rightly so. But today I want us to consider another aspect of discipleship. And that's what Jesus does in his disciples. Think about that. It's not all up to us. Jesus says, come, follow me. And as we begin to follow him and go after him, Jesus says, notice these words, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As Ruth was saying, as we respond to him, as we yield to him, he does a work. One of the first things that Robert Coleman identified out of the Gospels was the selection process of Jesus. It's the first principle. You know, Jesus, and I hope we will get this, Jesus was not, Concerned with programs to reach the multitudes. He was concerned with men and women whom the multitudes would follow. My intent is not to try to make people angry, but I want us to hear something. Sometimes in the church world, and I don't know that some of us can be any any different, we're so focused on doing our program, on doing our lesson, on doing all of that, or doing what we're supposed to be, that we really miss it. Jesus was concerned with people. I'm concerned that we get Jesus into people, that people connect him and get to know who he is, because that's what changes us. It's not our programs. They are only tools to help people connect with who Jesus Christ really is. People were to be Jesus' method for winning the world to God. He chose you and me to know him and take the God. What an amazing privilege. Jesus' initial objective was to call men and women who could bear witness to his life and carry on his work after he would return to the Father. That's you and I now. Wow. Wow. Jesus wasn't in a hurry to select his disciples. Did you notice that he spent time in prayer, hearing from the Father who to choose? We've been noticing this. And as I look at these disciples, it's clear to us, none of these disciples would immediately impress us as world changers. I mean, if we were going to select a team to change the world, I doubt it very much that that's the team we would have selected. But Jesus saw something in them. And he sees something in us that others would maybe miss. They were willing to leave everything and follow him. They were willing to turn from their own life and their own way and all of that to go after Jesus. Wow. They were teachable, they had hearts to listen, as we shared about a couple weeks ago. Hearts, the kind of soil that Jesus could work in their lives to learn from him. They didn't always get Jesus. They made mistakes. They stumbled, but Jesus poured his life into them and developed them and then turned over this mission to reach the world. He concentrated on a few. Now, Jesus didn't neglect the crowds Many of them in the crowds would also come to follow Jesus. But Jesus focused his greatest time and teaching on these 12 disciples. This is important. Jesus, Coleman notes, wasn't trying to impress the crowd, but to usher in a kingdom. He needed people who could lead the multitudes. God wants to invest in us to touch the world around us. How often, though? Do we, even in the church world, we get so focused on attracting a crowd, get a great big crowd, and we feel like that's the measurement of success? It may not be. We need to lay a good foundation. Don't neglect the multitudes. Minister, reach out, but select and concentrate on pouring into a few people who in time will be able to reach others selection. Jesus also was concerned. One of the principles we see is what we could call association. Jesus spent a lot of time with these disciples. We can get creative for how to spend time with people, doing life together and sharing and talking. In Mark 3, 13 to 15, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to them, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him, and notice, he appointed twelve that they might be with him. And then he might send them out to preach. And to have authority to drive out demons. People, the priority of our lives is to spend time with Jesus. Get to know Him. And out of that comes the ability to minister and share the good news of Jesus. But the first thing that the Lord always does is call us to be with Him. Get to know Jesus. Who you are comes first in Jesus before what we do. Amen. He's more concerned with who you are what you do for him. It's not saying he's not concerned in the other, but the priority is being with Jesus. And the main way that Jesus trained these disciples to be his witnesses after his death and resurrection, just to be with them, hang out together, do life. Isn't that awesome? John 15, 27, just before Jesus goes to the cross, he says to these disciples, You must also testify about me because you've been with me from the beginning of my ministry. They had watched, they observed. They'd watched the miracles, the healings. They'd heard his teaching and preaching about the kingdom of God. And eventually they were giving now that same calling to go and preach and minister in his name. People, let's stay close to Jesus. Grow in him. Everything he's designed for us. Jesus would minister to others as well. He would take time to spend with them. But the greatest amount of his time was in these 12. You remember Zacchaeus in Luke 19, 7. He got saved sitting up there in that sycamore tree. And Jesus says to him, come on down. I'm having lunch at your house today. Who's cooking it? No, I'm kidding. But anyway, but, uh, so Jesus goes to dinner with him. Spends time. There's some follow-up going on with the decision just made. The woman at the well in Samaria in John 4, after Jesus had let her to be able to experience him, it says he spent two more days there in Sychar, you know, so that he could minister to these Samaritans because now they're coming out, they're hearing what the woman has to say, and they end up saying, we don't just believe because of what you said, we've heard him for ourselves, and we believe. He spent time couple days, the faithful women who ministered to Jesus and followed him around like Mary and Martha and others, Jesus would pour into lives. The biggest part was these disciples. But Jesus, he didn't personally give constant attention to the crowds. His devotion was primarily to develop in these 12 disciples. Turn them into leaders that in turn would give the kind of devotion and time that all these others would need. Preaching to the masses, to large numbers, is important. Thank God for those things. But it's not sufficient to develop the leaders that can touch the lives. We need disciples. A third area that he touches on is consecration. This is an important one. All of these are. Jesus required obedience, commitment to follow him. You know, the disciples didn't have to be the smartest people. They didn't have to be the most talented. I'm so glad it gives me an, a chance. But they had to be loyal. Jesus expected their obedience. Amen? It didn't take long, though, for these disciples to come to realize that following Jesus is simply more than just getting his joy and all the blessings that go with that. It meant a commitment and a surrender of their entire lives to follow him. Mark 8, 34 and 35 says, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and he said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. That's a paradox, people. You know, it's interesting that in John 6, we read that many of the disciples who were following, they were called disciples, the crowds that were following Jesus. When Jesus began to talk about the cost of following him, it says they turned around and went back. They liked it when their bellies were full and they felt blessed. But when it required something of obedience, they checked out. People, there is a life of obedience and commitment and following Christ, but it's worth it. It's absolutely worth it. But I want us to notice something. When they turned around and went back, Jesus didn't go running after them. He didn't go, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's talk about this. Maybe we can work out a compromise here. He didn't do that. Jesus calls people to follow him, and we have to respond to that. He is the Lord of lords. He is the Son of God, and what he asks of us is right. And when we will do it, wow, our lives will be changed. Wow. But the obedience that the disciples showed when they were following Jesus He showed them greater and greater things in the kingdom of God. He said to you, he's shown the secrets or the things of the kingdom. Boy, there's so much more, but let me quickly move on. But the obedience of these disciples developed character and perseverance. Hear this. No one can ever be a leader until they first learn to follow a leader. And these disciples learned to follow Jesus. And if we can't follow, we can't lead. Wow. Another area that Jesus did in their lives is what's been called impartation. He imparted things into them. Jesus lived a life of giving. What do we mean by that? He gave the disciples what the Father had given him. Gave it away. He gave him his peace in John 16. He gave him his love in John 13. The night before he goes to the cross, he showed them the full extent of his love. In John 17, he prayed. He said, Father, I've given him your love. He's given us the Holy Spirit. In John 16, he said the Holy Spirit would teach us. In Acts 1, he tells us that we're to wait for the power, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, because he'll empower us to be witnesses. Jesus has given us of the Father. And most of all, Jesus gave us even his own life. He went to the cross. He laid down his life, was raised again so that you and I could have eternal life. He gave everything for his disciples. Wow. He lived a life of giving, and we are must also, too. You know, the paradox is this. We have to die to ourselves to live to Christ, but when we do, we really find out what life is all about. Wow. Fifth area is demonstration. Jesus showed them by his life and example. Je- Jesus' disciples learned how to live with God and people by watching Jesus. They learned how to pray by watching Jesus. In Luke 11.1, 1, they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They're watching him. They watch that connection. They learned about the importance of Scripture and how to use God's Word by being with Jesus and watching him unpack the Scriptures and show us who the Father is. They learned how to share the Gospel from being with Jesus, whether it's a woman at the well or Nicodemus or a man up in a tree or out in the crowds. They learned how to share the Gospel by being with Jesus. Class was always in session with Jesus. The disciples learned by watching him. Often they were bewildered. Sometimes they were fearful. Sometimes they were saying, who is this? But they were always free to ask Jesus questions. Wow. If we're going to disciple others, we have to be ready to have people follow us like we follow Christ. We have to be ready to pour into lives and invest in them. but people, some of the, oh my, I wish I could share more. Some of the greatest moments in my life have been when you see what God has done in somebody else's life because we invested in them. I remember when I was youth pastoring in Oregon years ago, shortly after Noah, And uh, one of the board members came up to me one night. They had a pack of kids. I mean, they were much of the youth group. And he said to me, talking about one in particular, he had tears running down his face. He says, Mark, he says, I don't know where such and such would be if it weren't for you. It's like, wow. I tell you, that would put a lot of motivation in your heart to realize that God can take and use us in our insignificance to make a difference in someone else's life. It's awesome, people. That's what Jesus wants to do through us, to be so alive in us that others catch it. I'm only going to mention these others as we wrap up today. Because Wanted to say this, people will do what they see and hear in us. Let me share one more story. You've heard me mention to you probably often. First pastor I worked with, Don and Vera George. Man, they impacted my lives. And Don would just take time. I to this day, there's still family for me. Their daughters are like sisters for me. And Don would take me and we'd get in the car and we'd drive somewhere and he'd talk to me. We'd talk about ministry. We'd talk about life. We'd talk about stuff. We'd go to the hospital and I'd stand back there and Don would minister, talk to people and minister and pray with them, you know. Then one day he says, Mark, you pray. Know how I prayed? Like Don did. <laughs> I'd been watching. I'd been observing. I watched how he did, interacted with people. The way I do funerals today is still largely due to what I saw in the life of Don and, and how he he cared about people and the way he would invest. They made a tremendous investment in me. When I started out there, I didn't know anything about the assemblies of God or youth or Royal Rangers or impact or any of that kind of stuff. We just did life together. Learned. That's what Jesus was doing with these disciples. I wish I could share all of these, but let me just mention them. A sixth area that Jesus did was delegation. Early on, these disciples... They've been watching Jesus, but Matthew nine thirty-five to ten five, Jesus would later give them instructions and say, pray that the Lord of the harvest will raise up leaders and ha- workers for the harvest. And then he sent them out with instructions. He delegated ministry to them. They were sent out two by two. The great commission that we read earlier is a command for us to go. He's delegating to us, the church but there was also supervision in their lives. Jesus would check on these disciples when they'd go out ministering they'd come back. They would tell them what was going on. There was accountability. There was support. There was practical, actual application. He was patient with them, but they kept growing and maturing in him. And the last area is reproduction. Jesus expected these disciples to reproduce. We read a couple verses in John 15. Jesus said, I'm the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so it will even be more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me. I'll remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Jesus will go on to say that what brings God glory is when we're really fruitful Christians, followers of Jesus. And that only happens by abiding in him. He wants our lives to be reproducing in the life of Christ and others. Wow. You know, as I mentioned So often we we talk about following Jesus in terms of what I do, what I think, and all of that. People, that's secondary. That's a response to what he does in us. Jesus said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You know, Francis Chan put it so well. He said, think about it. Think about it. This is a call for you and I to follow the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, the one that created us, the one who became flesh to reveal to us the Father. He's saying, follow me. I'm kind of busy today. I'll think about it. What kind of a response is that to the creator of the world who says, I want to spend time with you. I want to change you. I want to move in your life it's the greatest privilege in the world to follow Jesus and he wants to make something of our lives Jesus is still calling people to follow him today maybe you're watching with us online today or later by video we want to invite you give your lives to Jesus Christ follow him Let him take and change us. When we spend time with Jesus, he will change our lives. To every one of us here today, or those online, Jesus is saying, come, follow me. Spend time with me. And I want to pray with you today that you and each and every one of us could encounter Jesus in a powerful way. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for the greatest privilege, Lord, to know you. Lord, we recognize that our world is a mess. People are without hope. They need hope. They need life. And Lord, that life comes from you. But thank you, Lord, that you bring us. You can bring us into relationship with you. You change our hearts and lives and put something in us, Lord, to take and share with the world. That's your plan, Lord. It's people. It's people telling other people about the life in you. Lord, for those who are watching today, draw hearts, Lord, to just surrender it all to you and say, here I am. Lord, forgive me. Make me a new person. Help me, Lord, to follow you and know you. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. And I want to invite you that are watching online, and I'll come back to us in a moment. Get involved in a good church that preaches the gospel. Get connected with other believers that can help you grow in Jesus. We would love to do that if you're in our area. Get a hold of us. Let us know. We want to minister to you. God bless you.